anywhere, anytime, for everyone. This is jrootradio.com. We on. Welcome, everyone, to another week with your hosts, Mordechai Weimerder and Harav Nissen. What an honor and what a schuss to be here. So what we would like and request is if you can sort of ask a question, share a comment to 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Arab Nissen, what is the text number where people can send a text? 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. And, the short and again, we take the questions, the verbal questions over... The attack. So again, 683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. Thank you for this opportunity. So, listen, who yes. do we have on the line? Okay, so first of all, I wish to show Mazel Tov. And, uh, you know, we know yesterday uh, he was in a, in a Simcha, so we had to change the time. It is only one time, right? Yes, actually, I was going to ask you, maybe we can share with everyone, if we could also do it next week. Next week is my father's yard site, Monday night, Sunday night, Monday. Okay, so... So, well, maybe if we can do it two weeks in a row, okay. I would appreciate it. Okay. Excellent. Thank okay. you all for listening. So, Merit Hashem, the programs will be Tuesday evening. Okay, so right now we have uh, Miss S. Miss S. Hi, you're on with Mordechai Harav Nissen. And again, the number for those listening to call up is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Oh? Yes, hello. Mrs. S. Yeah, is that me? Yes, it is you. Hello? Yes. I can't hear you. We can also barely hear you. It's coming out very low. I can't. I can hear you really, really, really quietly. Yes, it comes out very quiet for some reason. Okay. Um, I recently read about the attachment theory. Sure. And I was wondering, um, I went through it and I saw that I am the anxious, preoccupied type. I wanted to know why it would be like that, like an insecure type. How about you share with us, everyone listening, it's so much better when you explain it rather than me. What would you say is the attachment theory? Explain it. Um, every single person is like um, different types of the way you relate to your relationships to people. So there's either that you're secure with it, that you can have regular relationships with people, that you're able to be good with them sometimes, and um, most times it's easy for you to relate to people. And that's a, a secure person. Then there's the insecure part, which people are very dependent on others or they become very intimidated. That's a different type. So I found myself being very much to the dependent type. I wanted to know how you can, what you can do about it not to be like that. Okay, good. So you did a good explanation on attachment theory. That means if you have the, the, a healthy attachment within yourself, you are able to connect to people and deal with the positives and the negative of relationships. If you're having a weak attachment within yourself, then you take things personal. You have a hard time connecting to people. Sometimes you want to disconnect, but you can't really disconnect, so you're giving mixed messages. So 
you just explain what attachment theory, what looks like the outcome? What is the beginning of attachment theory? How is attachment theory formed? I don't know that. Would you be able ah, to tell so me that? We've discussed this in many different programs that we've done, so I'll just give you the short version. Attachment theory is formed, this attachment theory was made by Dr. John Bowlby, and it was formulated in the, t the 20s, and it has to do with the attachment with a parental figure, with a mother and father. The first attachments that a child has is with parents. And the safety, so attachment theory is founded, and the concept is a very simple image. Think of a two-year-old kid learning how to walk in a new environment, and then they're next to their parents and they're in a new room. So they're clinging on to their mother's skirt, hanging around the father. Then after five minutes, they are a little brave. They walk away from the parents for a couple, of, like take two feet away, they turn around, look at mommy, they run right back to mommy. And then they get the smile, they get the reassurance, it's okay. And then they take again a couple of steps away. Now they go a little further. They look back, is mommy there? They went further than the, like, the last circle before that. And now they run back to mommy for security, like to fill up again their gas tank, their security, their emotional gas tank. And this is how yeah. you build a healthy attachment. So healthy attachment is you have the security of your parents. You're able to experience life. And then eventually the kid's able to go to another room where they don't see the parent. And eventually they get stronger, they're able to go to play group. And then when they come home, they fill up their, again, their gas tank to safety, either now with another attachment, like with a Mora or a teacher, or with their parent. And this is how they grow, and this is how you get stronger. But if someone has a parent that cannot give love, cannot give attention to the child, or if someone has... For whatever reason, a parent that's angry and yelling and tense, that now the environment is tense, or every kid is doing something, they're told how bad it is, they're not getting the reassurance it's not being filled up, their emotional security gas tank, then they're driving on empty. So this yeah, is the is there a behind, behind Is there that, a possibility of being theory. in a secure, in, like, Started the first relationships was healthy, and then eventually it came out that the relationships were insecure. Like in the beginning, with parents is secure. Just eventually, with other people, then it became insecure. Is there such a possibility? Yes. So let's clarify. So each of these, I expand more in the workshops that we do. So let's go ahead and just take this concept that we shared in the parenting workshop that we really just finished, and that is that we help children. We help parents understand that maybe the parents were safe and the kid feels safe in the parents' home. Sometimes when you go to school, you know somebody's a rebbe or a teacher that's not safe. What happens if there are friends that are bullying them? How they lose the security and the safety in their attachment in those certain environments. And if they're more and more in those negative environments, it will affect them and hurt them even more. So the so parents they can, can begin, help to a certain area, but can help in every area. And that's later where on we need the parents to be around, to be aware. Good, and then it ends up being an insecure relationship. Yes, all this is possible. So 
So I just want you to realize what I'm answering now, the information I'm sharing with you now, I would call it modern-day attachment theory. Because original John Bowlby's theory was that if a kid has a healthy attachment by a very young age, they're full for life. They're done. That was his original but theory. It doesn't go like that. That's right. So today we are recognized there's a lot more studies because the attachment theory is like one yeah. of the olive bays of it's one of the olive bays in psychology. It's like psychology 101 that anyone that has ever taken any psychology course has heard or studied something about about attachment theory. So how can I if I'm a, in such a situation, how can I get out of it? To have so my relationship this program is based on an awareness. I would love to give you this simple answer. But able to give that simple answer means, means now I need to have more powers than Hashem has humanly given me. means I do not know what's going on. I do not know what caused it. I don't know the full history. And I don't even know what, there, what, what will work with you. Is it a one-time talk? Is it sometimes months of work? Could it be years of work? None of this did Hashem grant me that ability to do. What Hashem did grant me the ability for this moment to, about to create an awareness, to be able to read on, to be able to help people in sharing how you can be confident in them and have it great in one area, but yet in other areas not have it. Yep. So generally, it's speaking to an expert that can help you about attachments, and usually those are therapists. Hmm. There isn't any like written about it how to help yourself with it. Like to help yourself without without having to go to someone, just helping okay. yourself. So now you're asking a how-to question. I, I let you try figuring it out. Merit Hashem, I wish you to be successful and tell me how it works, and this way we can share it with everyone. Okay. You generally people like suggesting reading books. I don't even know which book. You know, go ahead, start reading about attachment theories, and let's see what happens. All right, so I apologize. I can't give you more on the solution based on what's going on until we know what's happening. But at least we created an awareness how important it is for parents to realize, to be there for the children, to encourage our children, for children to feel safe, that when they're growing and when there's some difficulties in life, to feel that they, that they, that they could grow and to have a parent that yeah. does believe in them. This is all so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Thank and you. And the number to call to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. Harav Nissen, what would you say? Okay. So we'll go to uh, Mrs. S. Mrs. S. Oh, so what would you say to that question? Hi, thank you. Could you just hold? Let me hear this. What would you say? To okay, one, se one second. Yes. <laughs> it's, as you know, we're talking about awareness. We have, uh, the awareness is like to teach our, I know, our, ourself how to graze a confidence and secure children. And this whole idea, you know, because to go after, you know, after done, and people start fi suddenly find themselves without any confidence or a attachment to the other people. That the, the idea of these shows that try to to give the awareness about as a parent, give build the trust, build confidence, and be independent, 
to the, your, your child. And this right. is this this is something that uh, you're doing, and other our other rabbis here talking about the parent uh, parent group ter- uh, tr- uh, therapy and all this stuff, you know that that you have uh, shows about it, and re- right. really that what we need is all the time just give our children just more chizukim, more good words, not not go create them you know just uh, put them down and just uh, leave them you know depend on this because as a parent everybody wants to be like controlling your kid but it's not mm-hmm. the right way excellent very good very very well said that we're here just for parents to realize the importance that we have the strength that we have and just be healthy Give us spend, spend time with our children. Beautiful. So we, okay, we, Mrs. We, S., you're with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yeah, hello? Yes. Yeah, hello. Thank you so much for the line. I'm sure you said you are so your welcome. Father's, your father's said I'm sure he's having a lot of nachas from all of the what you're doing to Klai and also Harav Nissen. Thank you so much, Harav Nissen. Amen. Yes, and thank you, Harav Nissen, certainly. Um, um, you were talking about, like somebody was saying about caring hair, like sometimes kids slip hair. I'm just wondering like, what it is and if you could talk about it. Sure. There's a diagnosis called a fancy word. is trichotillomania. And that means someone that under stress, it's generally under stress. We're not talking about someone that just has a habit, but it could also be a habit that now when they are stressful, they pick their hair. Could be eyebrows, could be their hair, and it can be the beard. What happens is since they're doing it under stress, sometimes they can have almost half their, half their hair could be out. Unfortunately, there is a similar diagnosis where it's skin picking, where people will, will pick their skin. And that's mm-hmm. also when they're under stress. I'm just thinking again the name of the disorder. Yeah, it's called exoriation. Now, what happens is when you speak to people that have that, it's a little bit under the masechta of self-harm, where someone will hurt themselves. And I don't want to go into different words like cutting and things like that. But the basic aside that happens is that people are very pained on the inside. There's a lot of pain. And what happens is on the outside, the person looks healthy. And the person looks successful. And people are going ahead and people are saying the entire time, I wish I can be you. You're so smart. You're this, you're that. And they're busy being told about how great they are. But inside, there could be major pains. Could be family secrets that are buried there. Could be family fights that are going on. Could be so many different secrets that's being held inside or even being a huge perfectionist that they can't enjoy or appreciate themselves. All that I can say is that these people have a lot of pain and when they do the behaviors on the outside, or uh, they have it on the inside, they need the outside to mirror the inside. So what they do is, unfortunately, when they feel a pain on their outside, they go, oh, now it's matching. 
And the brain looks for congruency. The brain looks for equality. The brain looks for yashras. So now if there's chasashal and pain, ah, I feel I gave it out. Unfortunately, it's a negative pain that it works the other way. The more they do it, the more they need to do it. And then the next problem is that it's even more than that, that now they're stuck in that. And they're stuck in other behavior that might, they might not have pain, but they're still stuck in that behavior. And that's why it's important to stop it, to heal the inner pain, and to work on the outside behaviors as well. So when you work on those two issues, they're actually you're doing an inner work, healing the pain, or identifying what's the causes for that. That's one step of the process. The second part is actually stopping behaviors. There's a behavioral program. The behavior must be changed. Okay, very interesting information. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, and have a wonderful evening. Good. Well, what would you say? What did you hear from that? I was just, somebody was asking the question. I didn't hear about it. I was just, like, it's nice information you gave. I guess a couple of So what do you say to this? I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you ever hear of someone that would, like, pick out their hair or, or pick their skin? Yeah, I know somebody, like, with a pious sometimes. Yeah, but again, doing the pious and twirling it is okay. It's when they start picking it out under stress. Uh-huh. And when it's pretty strong, you notice it. Like, they have bold spots in specific places, and it's not bold. It's picking spots. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay, thank you for the information. It's very interesting. Okay, certainly. Mother, yes, we spoke about it one of the shows. We mm-hmm. spoke about it that people just, you know, is in the inside pain that just uh, cannot control this. Yes. Okay. We'll go to um, Mrs. S again. Miss S. Mrs. Miss, Mrs. S, Mrs. S, S again. We have, we, have, we have a lot of yeah, S today. Three tonight. S's in a row. Great. Yes. And just sharing with everyone. That the number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858, And go ahead, Mrs. S. Mrs. Miss S. Yes, hello. Um, what's excessive love before? I'm sorry, could you say that again? What's excessive love I don't know. I just like uh, we lost uh, we lost uh, the line, and I didn't. Uh, the, so we'll go to Mrs. Uh, J. Mrs. J. Okay. okay, Mrs. J. We'll go to you, and Ms. S. If you can just call back, I'd like to answer your question. You're very brave for calling up. Miss, so, Mrs. Mrs. J. J. Oh, hello. Um, hello. Uh, it was the first time I called the hotline, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you for helping my sister. Um, thank you. Okay, I spoke with my sister. My sister called me up yesterday, and she complained about her depression. And she asked me, what can I do to it? I, I told her, those don't listen to me. Call your therapist, call your doctor, and yeah. leave me. Um, and when you're happy, call me back. And I put on the phone, and I was sure she would be very mad at me for that answer. Yeah. But mm-hmm. later um, that day, I spoke, I spoke with her. I apologized for just um, not listening. And so she said, no, you, <laughs> you did um, 
I'm not mad at all. You did just the right thing. This is what Mr. Weinberger teaches to answer. So by listening, like she took it very easy, and that she understood the other side. And this is like how I should answer. And so it was a very nice experience. Thank wow. you. Wow. Yeah. So you're recognizing. And I hope so. And I hope yeah. so. Does mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> you just did that with someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were you saying? And you also did what? I hope she'll, she'll call her the therapist and doctor because I wish to see her happy. That's right, exactly. And they're the ones that can help her, and those are experienced. So you're allowed to speak to her. You can have the discussions with her. But when it comes to something like, I'm so depressed, like this is something that needs someone with a little bit more experience than I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what's what something can you know. share with all the listeners? I feel it's important when you share it. What changed in the past? So in the past, what would happen if she would tell you I was depressed? What would you do? How would you react? Um, I'll tell you the truth. I would catch it. And that's okay. really not good. Go share with her. What does it mean you catch it? So you spoke to her. It would play out the scenario. What would happen? She would call you up saying I'm depressed. And then what happens? That night I would be. And it, I will tell it to my husband, and I don't want to tell you what will happen next. <laughs> yeah, so tell me what happened. So you listen to your sister. You get down. Let's say you get like, depressed. It, 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 it is a family situation. Um, okay. It is, it is mm-hmm. something about the past which triggers it. So so when she brings it up, like, and I listen, and I just, I, I think I have just a, a feeling along and just, I, I thought, like, feeling with her means that if I will be depressed, I'll feel along. This is my what That's my, right. That's what, right. And by the way, so many people think along those lines. So you just put up a great awareness. That is, sometimes that people have a concept that when I listen to someone and I'm feeling, let's say I'm getting angry with them or frustrated with them, not at them, with them, like that's what the person did to you? Such a chutzpah. I can't believe it. And then we get into it. We don't recognize or realize that we're actually – Getting into that energy, we're going to be more stressed. We're going to be more tense. We're going to be angrier. And not only does it not help them, yes, someone feels validated, but there's another way of doing it. In fact, now each one is feeding the other one instead of saying, okay, let's come up with better plans, or this is something that needs a therapist, someone more experienced. There are solutions to these things. Yes. But sometimes I like to be in control. I, I feel like I wish I would be able to help her. I really want to help her, but I think this is the best way I can help her. I but, want but you to know I every therapist once, has that. We all have that, especially if we have a Yiddish heart. We all want to help every person. Who doesn't want to? But the Rabbi Shalom somehow, in his infinite wisdom, has created that no one can help the other one. We can only do our best, and only Hashem is the one that chooses to say, will I give your efforts the koyach to help or not? And that's the difficulty that those happen when we try helping our family members. We can't accept, or it's harder to accept, that we can't help them. We push more. And sometimes out of love and out of care, we could even hurt them and push them further away. So in the past, when I wanted to help her, I thought listening is helping her. But now I know the best help I can give her is telling her to do, um, to take care of herself. Excellent. And, and, and now, what changes in your life and what changes in your sister's life? Um, again? What changed now in their lives? 
with with the understanding of that? Yes. So just um, the, the yesterday scenario was just the best example how I was strong enough, and with your support, she was able to handle that because if I would put down on her, um, the phone, she would be very mad. But now with her, now that she's more open and she heard more, like she she understood it, and she took it easy, and hopefully she'll do the next step and beautiful, help beautiful. And how was your evening then with your husband, let's say? I felt so f proud of, like, so good, like, that I did the right thing. Yes, that's exactly it. And it's hard. But you still did the right thing. Yes, beautiful. At the end of the day, it was easier. It was a hard thing to do, but it, left, it like, gave me much more, um, much more happiness and much more, like, I felt much better after that. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for this positive feedback. Thank you for sharing to everyone listening that creating a healthy boundary means you can be a sister, but a sister does not mean just because you have the title, sister doesn't give you the title, medical doctor doesn't give you the title of a therapist, doesn't give you the experience on how to do it. It gives you that you care about her. It gives it, it, gives it that you want to help her. That it does, and that's beautiful. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for sharing that. Harav Nissen, what do you say to this? You know, we, we take example from other profession. You know, you can, let's say the construction, you come, you come facing yeah. a problem with, uh, that you don't, you don't have the equipment to, to fix, you know, let's say there's a major pipe uh, or major electricity, and uh, you call to another, you, you basically uh, move the, your client to another pro um, uh, profession that has the ability to fix it. It's very simple. We are we not yeah. have the ability to to do everything. So especially with a, with a family, even if even if it's close family, I would say in a therapist, you 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 tell us about it. You, All the time you, we can't. You cannot. Right, you can't. You can't. Not. That's, that's right. That's something that's very very close to you. You cannot help him. It's better that a third party will help. Yes. So, so, so true. So thank you for that. We're going back to Miss S. Miss Just before we go to Miss S, the number, for those who would like to call up, share your question or comment, is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And Miss S. Miss S, you're back. Hello. Yes, hi. Could you just say your question slower? Let me hear it, okay? Um, what is obsessive love disorder? Ex obsessive love disorder? I've never heard of that. Love disorder. Obsessive, when you have obsession on someone. Obsessive compulsive disorder? No, obsessive love disorder. I've never heard of that. I, yeah. Okay, well, this is not something. We are obsessed with. Um, okay, so I don't know if this is that um, appropriate for right now for that. All right? I'm not really sure. I'm just wondering if it's actually a DSM 5 level. No, when you think about someone all day, okay. and you want to be around them all day. My, I saw 
I just changed therapists and I've seen a different therapist. And since I, I left um, her office, I think about her all day. I told her, I called her right after because it really made me crazy, but she, she told me that I should write it down and draw how I feel. So how about we do it a little differently? Instead of giving diagnosis, let's try it something a bit simpler. Just your, it's, is this to your therapist? Is this to other people? Do you get this with other people, with people that are yeah, in authority it's positions? More, it's more than, than my previous therapist. Okay. It's a little more. Okay, but let's recognize that the issue is about attachment. How are you with connecting to people? How, let's put it this way, how much do you love yourself? How much do you value yourself? I don't. Exactly. How much do you feel that if you could look in the mirror and say, wow, thank you, Hashem, for giving me this body, this mind, this, this life, this soul? I do that. That's right. So what happens is when we don't have ourselves, we will be attaching and we will be obsessing about other people. But it's not a diagnosis. Here's the danger when people start diagnosing or whatever. I don't want to go into who gave the diagnosis. I don't want to go into that. But it's you're dealing with a core, and those cores are what you focus on. So let's not give it a title. The issue is you need to have yourself. And it's the, the attachment that people have sometimes is to leaders because that's what we project onto them. And unfortunately, in the Goyesha world, it's very much to actors and to singers. We might not like them. We might not like what they do. But because they have this outgoing personality, they're out there, they might be confident, they might have sang a song that you like, they might have acted a certain, let's say, a certain part of a play or something, and that's what, or a movie, and that's what the person likes, now we get attached to them. And the real core is that we're not appreciating ourselves. So it's normal to see someone in a position of authority and to say, oh, I want to be like them. But it's also normal that when you get to see their lives and you get to see them as a human, you'll say, oh, no, I don't want to get to know them, or I don't really want to be around them. If you like yourself, then you don't have any more of that problem? Generally. Now, again, there could be other diagnoses that might still have that issue, but the way you're describing that if you don't look in the mirror, if you don't say, Hashem, thank you for me, I appreciate the schutz that you allowed me to live this very moment. I am just the way you like me to be. Thank you. Then you're automatically going to have strong feelings and want to be around people and connect to people that will project what you're lacking. Now, when I use the word project, it means you're seeing it on them, but not necessarily do they really have it. So I've had several times where I've spoken somewhere publicly, and someone told me, wow, you're so confident. This thing. I go, oh, I'm glad I projected that, but it's not what I felt. And then people can project, based, so people will react based on that projection. So you might have with this therapist over other therapists, because either this one might be calmer, might be stronger, might be more patient, 
might share or give more empathy than others did. Whatever it is that you're getting that you're not having within yourself and that person's filling you up, you need it. So let's give one more example. Imagine there is a cup that has a hole at the bottom of the cup. So when you're around a person that has, let's say, a, a strong person and you're missing strength, or let's say this therapist is someone that loves themselves. They talk about themselves, they, they treat themselves, they laugh about themselves, they can accept their strengths and their weaknesses. And you're lacking that, so when you're around them, oh, all of a sudden your cup fills up. The problem is that your cup has the hole because you're not able to accept it, to appreciate it within yourself. And then 20 minutes later, or an hour later, or even two days later, but all of a sudden you get a comment, or something happens at that hole, you realize your cup is low. Now, if you don't know how to fill it up yourself, what is going to happen is, where do you have to go to? Who's going to fill it up? You have to go around that person. You have to go to that therapist. And now you start thinking about the therapist. When you think about them, oh, I feel a little better. I feel a little secure. And this right, I didn't is part stop of the even a minute to think about it. Yep. Well, again, it could be a lot more than I'm just explaining the basic theories. So this is the basic theory in self-confidence, self-esteem, the healthy attachment theory, appreciating yourself. And in order to appreciate yourself, a large part of that is learning how to make mistakes, learning to accept your mistakes, learning to take care of yourself, which is recharging your battery or self-care. These are all steps and behaviors that you need to learn. And another one to add on to that is to actually positively express your strengths, express what you've accomplished. Because sometimes people are so focused on what the other one accomplished, they forgot that they might have accomplished just as much or more, or even if they didn't, but for what you're doing, you accomplished so much. So if you don't see your strengths or appreciate your strengths, then you can get infatuated or, or stuck on others. Reb Nissa, what do you say to this? You know, it's first of all, you know, we said so many times, love yourself, love yourself. Look, look at the mirror, look at the mirror, look at yourself, give yourself a good smile, give yourself your uh, right, good, positive things about yourself. Actually, let's stop here, Mr. You, the listener, Mrs. J. Can you look at yourself in the mirror and do exactly what Abnissan just said? Can you tell yourself in the mirror, even though you don't believe it, I love myself, a compliment, I did this, I called up the radio. Can you do that? I learned this um, like two weeks ago in group therapy, but I tried it once and I don't know. It's, I'll um, tell you what, we're going to before, we'll go to another caller. We'll put you on hold. I want you to go to a mirror and say, I love myself. The fact that the correct word that they use, terminology, the Samantha's uses, I love and approve of myself just the way I am. And what's going to happen? Say it 20 times. You're going to get seeing negative thoughts come up. No, I don't. Next thing you're going to say, oh, I got a pimple. Then you're going to start going, oh, my eye is too bigger than this. Oh, my makeup, my this. We'll find folks. And all you say is, I love and approve of myself just the way I am. Even I love you. Yeah, say it out loud. Right, yes. Okay. Yes. Well, how do you think you develop it? We hear it from others. And when we're at a certain age, we got to give it to ourselves. So you want to say it. 20 times out loud and count on your fingers. I'll look in that mirror and say, I love and approve of myself just the way I am. I love and approve of myself the way I am. 
And if you want to make it more fun, after the third or fourth day that you're doing it, like three times a day, 20 times, you start doing it with some funny voices. I love and approve of myself. And you can do even cute or laugh. Ha, ha, ha. I love and approve of myself. You can start putting positive tones, positive sounds to that. And this way, it's like, I love and approve myself. Like, I love and approve myself. No, you say it. You have the brain react. Get into that. Or I'm missing you right on. Exactly. That's how we start doing it differently. It's like you're going to a gym. You know, you start at the beginning, lift up at one pound, and then later, this is exactly what you, you train your brain, you train yourself to get the positive. And you can add, I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What a beautiful person am I. You gave me all the option to look at myself. I have this. You gave yourself and write it. Write it. You know, it will be great. And it's, 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 it's amazing that you call to the radio to talk in front of so many, many people. It's really an unbelievable person you are. That's right. I think I heard the statistic is almost like for every person listening, sorry, for every caller, it's a thousand people listening that would like to ask a question that isn't strong enough to do that. And look how you did that. I was never able. Good. So now, I still, we're going to do the exercise. We'll put you on hold. We have another caller. I want you to go to the, ra- to the mirror. I want you to do it now and say the words, I love and approve of myself just the way I am. You see what we're doing? You're now learning to fill up your own cup with your self-love, with your gasoline. And, the, and it's normal in life to have little holes, a little dents, or sometimes it leaks out when we do certain behaviors. That's normal. But if you can fill it up, refill your own thing, now you're powerful. All right? So go ahead. We'll put you on hold. What? Okay, I'll do it. So we're putting you on hold. We're not hanging up. We're going to go to the next caller, Ramnissa, and then let's see your suggestion, Ramnissa, and see how she feels with that. I believe so. <laughs> okay, so we'll go to uh, Mrs. R. We have uh, we have two Mrs. R. So please, patience. Okay? Oh, it's cute. We got doubles today, or triples, S's yes. or four S's, and now we have two R's. So let's go to the first, Mrs. R. Yes, hello. Mrs. R, hello? you're on with Mordechai and Ravnissen. Yes. Mrs. Okay, R. we don't seem to hear. Yeah, should I hold on? Yes. Oh, yes. Hi, you're on. Hello? Hello? Mrs. R from uh, UK. Yes, hello. Ravnissen, you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Loud and clear. Oh, I thought I heard Mrs. R a second, then we don't hear her. Mrs. R from UK, you're on. Yes, I can't hear you so well. Okay, so, yeah, let's do the best that we can. No problem. First of all, thank you very much for your line. Sure, I really appreciate it, and I must say that my life has really changed my outlook in life from when I started listening. So thank you for that. Yes. And I wanted to ask, um, I heard somebody asking about children being attached to their parents. Yeah. I wanted to ask about the other way around, um, the parents being attached to the children. Why would that be, well, you know, what would you be able to say about that? The same that? level and reverse. Means let's, let's understand the attachment theory, how it works. Attachment theory is that I'm feeling very good with myself. I'm feeling filled up. 
And how is that? Because I'm close to my parents. So my parents taught me how to fill up my own bank, my own, let's say, gas tank, my own emotional bank account, and now I can do it on my own. What happens if that parent that is teaching us to fill up our gas tank only feels valued when they are being productive in a certain way? That means when they feel that they are being in the role of a mother. So now when their kids get married and they're not needed, they feel threatened, they feel lost. What is my position? I don't have a position anymore. They don't have themselves. What happens if sometimes they have other pains or other issues and when they're busy, that's how they don't have to focus on their, on their stuff. So sometimes you can have people and their parents, remember they're people, they're humans, and they could have difficulties and no one really wants to be around them, but children have to unofficially or officially we do it because mitzvah's kibbid of aim, but the parent is unhealthy and they aren't strong enough to be on their own. But because they had the children, now they're forcing the kids to be with them. So understand, these are people that, have, that are not able to adapt to situations. Adapting to situations means that Hashem makes it, that every stage in life we grow and we change. That's why under a chuppah, we're thrilled. It's the greatest chus that a parent can have, that you bring a kid, you raise them all, in today's generation, and they're now ready to be married and to build a bias name of the Yisrael. And you're thrilled they're now getting married, that son or that daughter's under the chuppah, and now they're becoming kings and queens of their own house. And there's still any parent that will not admit it, it was, or I shouldn't say any, it was probably lying to themselves, but there's also a level of sadness. They're now going on their own. This is a normal stage. This is a normal feeling. But what happens if that parent isn't strong enough to be now on our own? And when they call it, they give it almost a diagnosable name, which I don't think it's a diagnosis, but called emptiness syndrome. That's when the parent marries off the youngest child, it's official. Now I don't have to make suppers. Even if that kid is, let's say, learning an Eretz or comes home once in four weeks, but I still have the youngest kid home. That's the saying that they use. When the kid gets married, there's sometimes parents get into that little depression or that sadness. Mm-hmm. So the attachment theory works both ways. Just like a child needs to get stronger and learn to detach from the parents to be on their own, the same is what a parent has to do. Right. I'm not on for that stage yet. I mean, I've still got little ones. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's the same thing from the same? Um, sure. Parents have a hard time when the kids got to start going to play group. I hear stories where there's some of those unhealthy, let's say, young mothers or young fathers, where they're cool. It's what we call micromanaging. They're not letting go of anything. They're going. They're calling up the teacher. Why is this? What's that? Homework isn't good enough. You should have done this more. Why? They're so involved in each and every kid. Let go. And I don't mean let go. I mean ignore your kids. It just means there's a healthy balance. I'll tell you, I feel that 
uh, you're not get quite getting me. I'm very far from overprotective. Maybe I should be working on By that way, more and being more on top of the children and all, all that. When you just, I, I but when it comes to sending the children out or me going out myself, I have a hard time with it. The question was that some children have the difficulty attaching a theory that they can't attach because they don't help themselves. The same as can parents have that with children. And the answer is yes. These are many mothers and fathers that are controlling parents or controlling grandparents. I know mm -hmm. of some, I don't want to go into details, but grandparents... It's about being in control. Children's I, I, I get life. And in order to remain controlling, they even give them some money. So now they can really, they have the excuse to control their grandchild's life. Because I'm giving you this amount of money, which is a minute, small amount, but just, in their mind it justifies. It's, again, attachment. Attach to mm -hmm. yourself. Keep yourself happy. Grow. Learn. Smile. Study. Be alive. Be that, be that dogma for your children and grandchildren to want to be instead of the other way, instead of living through them. So please, don't feel I was talking to you at all. Okay? I'm fine. That's why I asked the question. Great. Great. Thank you so very much. Can I ask another short question? Go ahead. You were just talking to the lady before me about um, looking in the mirror and, you know, appreciating yourself and liking yourself. Is yeah. there something about seeing it or thinking it is it's Good interesting, enough. but yes, getting all five senses in it, the more you get the five senses, the more it is. So if you can get a little smell, a positive smell going, wow, while you're saying it. Saying it means you're using your voice and your, your ears are hearing it. So there are people that you can give them a compliment and they can just remain quiet. And there are people you give a compliment, their entire face can shine. They can say, thank you so much. So, yes, saying it is very important. And the proof how important it is is it's so hard for people to do it. Yes, it really is. I'm looking at myself in the mirror now, and I'm quite comfortable with myself, the way I look, the way I am, but I wouldn't like to say it. Well, first let's, first let's understand that's normal. It means it's weird if a person talks to themselves in the mirror. Yes. But if you're alone in the room and you know no one is looking, and it's just yourself... To say it to yourself, yes, you want to get yourself comfortable because you want the ears getting comfortable hearing those words. I love and approve of myself exactly the way I am or just the way I am. I love and approve myself just the way I am. Okay. Yes, it's important for the voice to get used to saying it. We've had sometimes questions where people said, I can't tell my kids I love them or I can't hug them. But I know I think it in my mind. I know I love them. Part of this world is the, the behavior, the actual doing it. And part of it is if we can say it to ourselves, we can accept it more and hear it more. Right. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for your caller. Thank you, caller. Yes. Now, let's go back to the person. Let's see if Miss S is, let's hear how I love and approve myself just the way I am is doing. Yes, Mrs. Hello. Yes. Yes. I tried it and um, it kind of helped, but then I, I started thinking like just one thing has to change, and then I said I'm gonna like myself. 
Good. And then what happened? Like what did you do after that? Sounds. I just need to lose weight and then I'll, I'll understand. Yes. And then what else happened when you did it? I know, but it helps a little bit. But then I started thinking that that's one thing I need to, need to change and then I'm going to like this. Excellent. So now I'll tell you the next step to do. For everyone listening, I want you to know this is exactly what happens. It means we have so many millions of negative messages about every part of our body, about our mind, about our mitzvahs not there. So we have so many negative messages that when you give one positive, poof, all those negative cards showing up. So what I'd like you to do is when you look in the mirror and say, I love and approve myself just the way I am, and also your mind says, if I was skinnier, then I'd love and approve myself. So now you start saying, I love and approve myself just the way my body weight is. And then you start going, oh, I wish I was taller. I love and approve myself just the way my height is. And then you're going to start going, no, if I was smarter, I love and approve myself just with the way my mental capacity is. And then maybe if I would have better parents, I love and approve myself just the way I am with the parents that I have. That's going to be now your next exercise. I'd like you to do it until your mind, when you say, I love and approve of myself just the way I am, says, okay. All right, can you do that? And it might take 30 times. Allow yourself to go through that. So we'll put you on hold again and share with us how it's feeling after you did it at least 20 times, and you'll add on, I love and approve myself just the way I am, even with the whatever it should be. But I, I, still, I still think I just need to, just that needs to change, and I don't love myself. Well, that's not how love works. Love means I love myself with my weaknesses. Give yourself a smile, you know, just give a smile, you know. It's <laughs> I love that, listen, great. I, yes. I, I, it seems so serious, you know, smile to yourself, feel good, you know, it's, it's really, it's amazing that you're calling to the radio and talking about it, it's beautiful. It's really, you know, it's something that's unbelievable. You're, strong, you're stronger than you, you, you think yourself. That's right. So, Mira, listen, think you're a lot stronger than you, than you value yourself. All right, so can we put you on hold? I want you to do the next thing. I love and approve myself just the way I am, and you'll add on with my whatever, with my this, with my that, with my that. I love and approve myself just the way I am with this. Let's see what happens. Okay. And we'll go to the next. We'll go to Miss Mrs. R again. That's... Yeah, let's try this. Mrs. R again from the UK. No, this is not UK. This is regular. Oh, this is not UK. This is just yes. here. Hello, Mrs. R. Hello. Yes. Yes. First of all, I wanted to thank you for your line. I really enjoy it every week to listen to it. Thank you. Then I, w I guess tonight is a lot about attachment theory, but I think my question is a little bit different. I wanted to know what. I wanted to know what would you see like effects on a small child when the parents are overprotective. I'm talking about it. Everyone is different. Which means overprotective could be where parents push a kid too much, so that could be one. Overprotective is a big word. 
describe to me the overprotectiveness, and then we can guess five or six things, and it might even be a lot more. Um, I'm saying, like, I can check on, a, on her, her, like, five to six times a night just to see if she's fine. Whenever she's out with one of my siblings, I, and they say, like, I'm coming to you five o'clock. If it's five minutes after that, I'm starting, like, I'm worrying where she is and what. Like now, I'm just going to try a different word out there, so I'm not diagnosing you with this, but how about we use the word worry? Are you a worried person, not just about your child, in general about health and about other stuff? I guess. <laughs> okay, so let's not call it overprotectiveness, and let's now call it worry. And if it's more severe that it's affecting the way you work, sometimes we call that anxiety. And now I'll ask you another question. Are any of your parents very worried? I know. I, I was thinking about it because I know I hear I hear you a lot, but I was uh -huh. I was thinking that no, I I'm not I'm I'm like thinking more of my grandparents more. Okay, but let's even go to your parents first. Your parents aren't concerned about how things will look on the outside. No. No, they're okay if you make mistakes or if others make mistakes all the time publicly. You get a 40, 50 on the test, they're relaxed. I know, no, I was thinking about it before. That I'm I really, just asking I really different think... stuff, and you'll just tell me, right? The parents are okay if, let's say, uh, someone comes home late at night, if someone cuts themselves a little. Yeah. Kids come home late. What about being in public? Are any of them worried about being in public? No, but maybe lateness, but every parent would like their child to be home, like, by a certain time. Now, okay, well, let's, let's not go into parents' garments. It's not important. I don't want to start digging more and, and trying to look for things. It's going to be as if we're picking on stuff. Let's not do that. Let's just do the basic stuff. So let's focus on you. Tell me stuff before you were married where you were worried. Just every day. I don't know. Tell me something you're worried like every day at 16 years old. About what? About how you'll do in tests? About if kids were late or about other stuff was? No, not tests. Like more like um, the life. So let's say lateness. Let's say anything. Just worrying. <laughs> That's right. So now you're just sharing with everyone exactly what we discuss all the time that whatever issues we have as a teenager, if we don't resolve it, when we get older and there's more responsibility, they're going to be more enhanced. So so I'm, I'm asking, like, what would you see on my child? If, um, let's say she doesn't know, I guess she feels when it comes to check on her every day at How night. How about let's but... not talk about your child. I like focusing about you. What do you um, think is going to happen as you get older? And my son is going to give you many more children, and there's going to be a lot more to be concerned about. What's going to happen to you? I'm going to be much more worried. And how are you going to function as a mother, as a wife and as a mother? I guess not, not as good. Yeah, well, describe to me. How are you going to be when kids are going to be making noises? How are you going to be if some two kids are running late and some other stuff are happening? Yeah, I guess. You guess what? I guess I'll be quite worried. 
but now no, no, but you see, you're stuck. You're using the word worry. I'm trying to show how will you function, how will you talk to the children, will you be calm or will you be angry? Your husband forgets something in the grocery. How are you going to deal with that? The grocery guy doesn't answer the phone when you need something right away. You're supposed to get a delivery or something that you needed for supper. The guy is a half hour, 45 minutes late. Are you going to be calm or are you going to be tense and nervous? No, because that's not that's not like my issue. It's it's if the grocery is late half an hour, that's that's fine. But if it's something. But when your kid is late, also, I'm trying to explain to you where there are yeah. different issues. I'm trying to give you five issues all happening at one time. You're separating it. I'm combining mm -hmm. them. I'm meshing them because that's how life works. So Rabbi Shalem has a talent that when he gives us difficulties, he doesn't just do one, line it up on time. He does them several at just a time when we don't want it. Mm -hmm. How will you function? Don't worry about your kid. I'm focusing on you. I guess I'll, I'll have to, like, seek help then. <laughs> I don't know. That's right. But you will be affecting your children then by your yelling or your tension or your fear. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about your children. We're focusing about you. Uh, okay, I guess that's awareness. <laughs> yep, exactly. And you just helped so many people get that awareness. So thank you for that. Rabbi yeah. Nissan, what do you want to say with this? I, I, I wanted to say it before about the, the lady from England that talked about it. And it's a f very famous singer in Israel. Yuda Poliker, and mm -hmm. he's, uh, he is basically the second, uh, the generation of the post-Holocaust. Uh, and he, he has a song, very, very powerful. I tell you, every time that I hear it, I cry. As a child, he used to go to school, and his father used to come every single day and standing, staring him from the window that he is in the class. And it's... Wow. It's it's very very scary. You no, know, that is he, he wrote it about it, and he, he wrote a, a all CD, all all record about you no know, the from uh, ashes to dust, and it is amazingly to to understand that what what happened in his brain, that to see his father all day is just watching him, and running after him. He, go, he cannot go to to the, to dance here, go to go to to play soccer here, just. It's a, it's influence on our children, and this is very extreme. But I think the parents has to understand, to learn how to release, to release, give confidence. We talk about so many times confidence to child. Work upon yourself. Work about that. Akadosh Baruch giving you know just put yourself the you know you know today we have a drone you know the drone that that the toy that yeah. running uh, you know you can play today have a kind of bracelet that you program the drone that fly over your head all the time. You just go and flying over, you walk left, it will follow you left. You go right, it follow you right. Think about that above us, you have the Shekhinah, the Kadosh Baruch Hu. It's watching us. It's all the time with us. Give confidence that he is watching your child, watching yourself and your family. And I'm telling you, this is um, amazing to, to feel it that every time. Think all the time when you feel this worried, just see that somebody is above us and watching our children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Great question. And hopefully, Mert Hashem, for you, Anthony, listening, we'll be able to recognize just we got to work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Thanks.
certainly. Excellent, Arvnison. Do you want to go Who, to... Yeah, let's go back to Mrs. S. Let's see what happens. A big smile. <laughs> okay. Hello? Yes. Yeah, um, I tried to do it, but I, I kept on, like, while I was saying it, I, I was yeah. thinking about it. I, I tried to do things that I should like more, or, but I kept on going back to, um, like, if I just need to change one thing, and then I'll get this off. Okay, good. And now you got a month of practicing this every day, three, four times a day. And you would see great results. Hey, thanks. Hashem. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so we'll go now to uh, Miss uh, One Again, one second, Miss C. Okay? Yep, Miss C. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Um, firstly, I want to thank you for the line and also your book. I've been reading it and listening. I'm really enjoying it and seeing a lot from them. Thank you. Um, and then I've got a question. Um, Let me ask you. You just said the last thing you said was about the book, right? Right. What part can I ask you of the book of mastering relationships did you did you gain? What did you like about that? Um, I I really appreciated it that there was like somebody was understanding what what like what kind of things I thought about and what I felt and I um I think like, I identified um most with the the wind personality. It really matched my personality. Um, mm -hmm. And I also like seeing how I can um, build relationships with other types of people and how I can like, make the most of them. Yes. So you're able to recognize your nature, that you're wind, and see the strengths and the weaknesses. And what did that do? Did it give you peace? You understood others now when they're different? Did you learn to yeah. learn from some of those natures what will help balance you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great. Thank you. Now, what would be your question? So, again, we're talking, you're talking about the book that has come out just a little over a month ago. Probably it's five weeks. And it's, uh, Baruch Hashem, a bestseller. And it's called Mastering Relationships. Yeah. So, my question is, um, I've got... Um, a classmate, and she's been really close with my family for many years, just just, just circumstances, I think. Um, and she has a very difficult personality due to um, her family situation, complicated, and um, that has caused me like many problems in the past. Like she's invaded on my personal privacy and um, limited my social life a lot. And now um, I'm going to seminar next year, so I've got two options. Either I can go to my first choice, but she will be going there. That will be a, a, like probably be problematic with like new new friends and things like that. Um, 
So either I go there and like learn to live with it or like a second choice, but then I won't have the problem anymore. So I want to know what Now, how about we try a third option? What about you go to the seminary of your choice and you learn how to create a little space? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, so what, so are you saying that I would be best off sticking to my original choice? Well, you see, I, the, the goal was not to tell you what to do. We don't right. know the positives. We don't know the full story. The goal is to create an awareness. So the awareness is that right now there are two issues going on. Issue number one is that you have a friend that's stronger than you and you don't know how to create the healthy boundaries. Due to that fact that you're missing that skill, which isn't a problem, many, many people, in fact, everyone needs to learn it, and at different times in life, we need to practice it differently. That means that I might have learned it, let's say, with family, all of a sudden I might have some place at work where I don't know how to do that. Got it? So just maybe you do know how to set boundaries, just with this one friend you don't. Now what happens is, somehow the Rabbi Shalem does it, that if we don't create healthy boundaries or we don't learn how to do it, then it gets harder later on. So the best thing out there is for you to learn how to do it. Right. But it's not, um, I mean, it's not only that, because she, she's been doing it all the time. Like she's, oh, she's in my class. So That's really, right. Are there other girls in the class that you really friends. don't have much to do with? Sorry? No, Aren't there really. people in your class that you don't have much to do with? No. You have to do with every single girl? Um, yeah, pretty much. Wow. But then, like, I went, I went to camp with her one year, and she made a point of, like, telling everyone that she saw as, like, a risk of seeing my friend, like, you know, tell them. Like, she also doesn't have a problem, really, just inventing facts. Because, like, Wait, explain this to me. What nice. would she tell everyone? She would just go and just make things up about me. Like, just, like, she's really controlling. Make sure I don't have... And, and if she thought that, that wouldn't work, then she'd make sure to, like, join and also become friends with that same person so that I have no friends that she's not friends with. I'll tell you what, something like this, I think, needs a little bit of adult intervention. I mean, speak to a teacher about it, have a teacher speak to her, uh, have maybe the principal speak to her, see what's going on. I, I don't want to say you're too sensitive, but it's possible she's saying something and you're taking it too personal that you got to learn, so she said it, you just don't hang around her. There's a lot to that that you might also want to learn, but we can't suggest that because it might really be that she is that way. Ramnissa, what would you say? I'm sorry I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you for calling up and for staying up so late. All I'm saying is your question is a bit more complicated, and I think some adult intervention is necessary. It means discuss this with your parents, discuss this with a teacher. Right, I've tried that, but they all just say I should do what I think. And I no, no, I'm not talking about what you should do. What I'm talking about is how you can be in a class with someone and choose not to be close to them. Mm -hmm. that, those happen in life, too. Okay. Yeah, thank you All very right. much for taking my call. Sure, you're welcome.
Okay. Go. Listen, who else are we going to take? Okay, we go Mrs. R. Okay. Yep, Mrs. R. Here with Mordechai and her of Nissen. I really enjoy it. Yes, hello. Hello? Yes, hello. Hi, thank you so much for this program. I really enjoy it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I have a question regarding my teenage sons age 15 and 17. Okay. So it has to do with going to Minyan on Shabbos. They don't go for Shachris. And I want to know what I can do to motivate them because... How old are they again? 15 and 17. 15 and 17-year-old boys are not going to Minyan on Shabbos. Right. Why? So... I don't know. I mean, they haven't verbalized to me. They're tired. They're happy kids, so I don't think anything is bothering them, but they like to sleep late. Um, but they just really I don't just want you to realize I, I, this is it's a major question. I mean, yeah. why would a healthy boy, Bacher, that is in yeshiva, davening, doing everything, and not go to Shachar's on Shabbos? Right. May I ask? I, I don't want to get into it's too complicated. What about your husband? What does he say? How does so, he go to I mean, Minyan? Does the he two go to of us shul? Don't know what to do. I mean, the two of us don't know why, and we don't know what to do about it. So does he your husband go to shul? Huh? Does your husband go to shul? Yes. Okay. Now, what happens when your husband shakes the kids up and saying, "Hello, seventeen, it's davening Maishi. Let's get up." Yeah, they, the, the more he tries, the more they ignore him and make it like he does. If he does anything, they'll cover their heads with the blanket. They just show him that they're not coming or they're not getting up. Okay, let's try the next level. What happens when you ask your kids in general to do things? Is it just waking up that's the issue? Or in general, they're not really listening to you guys as parents? Generally, they listen. Generally, listen, so it's just for this? But when it comes to, I mean, it's not only Shabbos, it's also during the week for high school, but for high school, the, the school motivates them by telling them if they don't come in for Shachris, then they're going to get maybe minus points, certain things that will get them to come to school. So let's change those words. So the school has a behavioral system yes. on how to get them to get up. Yes. And you, the parents, you have a wonderful system to get them to listen in so many places. But you're missing the skill for mornings, and that's generally a parenting skill. So we've just done a parenting workshop, not promoting mine because we won't do it for about another year, but there are very simple behavioral skills to learn how to do that. Every manager in a company, I shouldn't say every, the top companies, they teach their managers how to become managers, how to motivate the person to work, both with positive as well as with negative rewards. Okay. And you need that inner strength first. So in the parenting workshop, the first step is you've got to be a power on your own. You can't have a general of a military. That's the example that we use. Say, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to call the other general. They cannot be elevated from one position to an officer to a higher position if they don't have the power over their troops under them. Okay. And if they need the help, there's training and skills how to become a, how to become a greater leader. 
Okay. So it sounds to me like you guys can use a little skills. So you're great parents, Baruch Hashem, but a little skills on how to get your kids to get up specifically in the morning. Okay, so you're No, suggesting... it's normal, but it's not normal for a 17 and 15-year-old to sleep through. It means it could happen once. Anyone that says it's not will probably be lying to you. It makes sense for the kid to go, I don't want to. It makes sense for you to, your husband to already be ready with his suit and tie and, and palace on and ready to go to shul. And then the kids are still in bed. What? And then you get up and then you go, come on, get dressed. I'm not leaving the room till you're out of bed, till you're dressed. And, oh, what? And until they get out. And then maybe I want to drink something or this and that. So it makes sense that your husband might even go to shul once they're dressed or once they're out of bed. That does make sense. Mm-hmm. But not to have a skill for this to happen every week isn't acceptable, A, and B, I would even be speaking to the school. Get them involved, saying, I need help. How do I get my kid? My kid isn't going to Minion. Mm-hmm. I promise you the school will get very involved and say, what do you mean? I'm going, let's get involved. Let's make sure you're there and follow up. Okay. Now it's camp time. I was thinking, then, I mean, it's, they have a Rebbe in camp, too. Do you think sure, I should get the Rebbe in camp do it. You're going to see how, the, why get them in camp? Don't get them camp at all. In camp, they're going to do it. No, in camp, have, I mean the Rebbe in camp to try to motivate them for Shabbos also. They don't have to motivate them. No one sleeps in camp when you've got 15 boys. No, they're not in a sleepaway camp. Sorry, they're in day camp. I'm sorry. They're in day camp. I would really, I would recommend you call up the yeshiva and say, who is someone to call them up now? Mm-hmm. Who is someone, who, the principal, who is someone that does parenting workshops? Or not parenting workshops, that we could speak to one-on-one. This is our difficulty. We can't get the kids up in the morning. Mm-hmm. It might even be a Rebbe that they have, that has a lot of experience. Okay. Let's not focus on the, the day camps. They're not, they're not that experienced and equipped for this. Okay, fine. Yes. Uh, sure, thank you. Yeah, uh, so what do you say to this? Question, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, what, what do we, what do you ask and say that, oh, all my friends doesn't get up. The question is, are they not going to the shul at all or are they coming late? With me? Yes. Yes. Um, so, generally, when they do go, they do go late. They're never going when when minion begins. They're going in an hour later, maybe. Um, so that's they're definitely going late. And if they say tell you all my friends come late, what are you going to say? They'll tell them. They they I don't know if they say that. They just first of all, can we recognize? I want you to hold on. Let's stop a second, Rebnissa. And I just want everyone listening why we need an evaluation. Your words that I took out of, not saying that that's what you said, but from the words when you're saying my kids don't go to Minion Shabbos Day, I assume they don't go at all. Not they Shabbos, don't have, lately they have not been going not for to the last... and not for Musaf. No, for, so the lately, last, for the last two months they haven't been going Shabbos. At all. Shabbos means Kriya Satayra and Musaf as well. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. All right. Then it's just, Rebness, what do you say? I think that's a, this is a, this is an issue about it, but I my 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 question is like this: really something that I ask many times, a lot of uh, Rashi Yeshiva, about how to put in our kids the the right Ashkafa and what is all about fila, what is about praying, if it's something that just uh, or or this is more the more imp- what a question like this. I know that I spoke with Rosh uh, Shiva. I don't want to mention any any names, but I said like this, that the kids start stagnating and learning, learning. When it's come to the tefillah, it's like, oh okay, okay, you know, 
you pray. And this is something that's very important. I'm very, I'm very painful about it. And I've tried to talk with... I agree. I'm talking about my kids and I'm talking about all other, other Bachurim that don't know what is time to do Kriyat Shema, to come to Tefillah at the right time. And it's, it's, it's a sickness. And I, I'm sorry to tell, I, and I know that even my kids, and they say, oh, look at how that's out of, out of my friend. Oh, nobody's coming at the time. you only the one who's coming to friend. And you start, you're starting, you know, talking about this. And many times as a teenagers, as the rebel, rebel inside. And if the parents pushing them, they will do exactly the opposite. So I would say that, I, I, you know, in my, I would say my cases, I'm talking with the soft, I'm talking with, with, with I try to put a logic about what is all about to be Ashkafa, the right Ashkafa. Yes. Yeah. All I will say is that there's a lot more needed to this question. That's all that I will tell you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm saying get the guidance, get, the, get that. There's a lot that can be done. We are so powerful as parents, but we need the confidence, and we need the skill. It's a skills-based level. The parenting workshop that we just finished was for children and for teenagers. And, okay, but that's not yeah, recorded or sold, right? No, no, unfortunately not. I'm just creating the awareness to you that it's possible, and it's easy. It's a skills-based. It's like learning how to button a shirt, learning how to tie a knot. It takes a little bit, it takes a couple of weeks to learn, but once you get it, you got it for life. Also, what Rav Nissim just said regarding importance of tefillah, I feel that they don't, they don't feel the importance of tefillah either. I don't know if they're not getting, they don't have, I don't think they have the feeling for it. I agree with you that they, that missing a uh, reason for tefillah is a large part of it. But I also want you to realize the other side. Teenagers, anywhere we allow them not to do something, they won't do it. So mm-hmm. you can have a teenager that says, I really want this, but I'm just too lazy to get out of bed. The moment's pleasure mm-hmm. will override the long-term view. Mm-hmm. And in the parenting workshop, we focus on that. There's famous... Um, when you speak to anyone that was successful, those that reached Carnegie Hall, those that reached the top in, in, in sports, wherever it should be, when you ask them, did you want to do it? They said, yeah, at first, but then we didn't want anymore. Practicing an instrument so many hours, it's so difficult. But uh-huh. what pushed you? It's always going to be the parents that were assertive, said, you like it, they practiced. They said, after a couple of years, then they were self-motivated. Understand, teenagers, even adults, how many times if you've got an option, let's say it's summertime, your kids are away, or sometimes we have the parents that the kids are, let's say, in camp, so you don't make that, you don't do the laundry as often, so the closets aren't that clean now. Mm-hmm. We humans have a natural tendency, something we don't need to do, we let go a little. Okay. Right? So... Let's realize it's also kids. Yes, they need to have that, the reason for that. But even if a teenager has the reason, a 15-year-old, the pull of bed, of not sleeping so much all week, that Shabbos, there's such great hours of sleep. Plus, they're up late at night because it's now late Shabbosim, and they might be schmoozing that next thing you know is 2, 3 in the morning. It makes sense if your husband dominates at a 7 o'clock minion or an 8.30 minion. Mm-hmm. So these aren't normal. We just want to know, make, have skills how to deal with it, even if it is normal. Okay. 
Thank you so much. You're welcome, and Hatzlacha. Thank you very Amen. much. I hope to call you with follow-up that we have success. Be'ezat Hashem. Merit Hashem, yes. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, good night. Good night. Harvard, this is a beautiful evening tonight. Yeah, loaded. And apologize yeah. to the callers that still online, and it's too tiring, you know. Yeah, so exactly. Week, next week, Tuesday, right? Merit Hashem, yes, thanks for reminding me. Yes, yeah. next week, Tuesday, my father's yard site is Merit Hashem, Sunday night, Monday. And we're going to have a pseudo the end of, you know, Monday evening, afternoon. Okay, great. So thank you, Rabbi yeah. Mordechai, and all yeah, the best. Yes, thank you all. And all Hatzlacha. the best. Amen. And be well. Anywhere, anytime, for everyone. This is jrootradio.com.